this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. This is the Book Riot Podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode 114, and we're recording on Thursday, July 9th. I'm Jeff O'Neill. I'm here with Rebecca Shinsky. I'm back, and we're both coming to you from bookriot.com. And it is actually episode 114. What did I say? Well, no, I said oh, 112 oh. last week. It was wrong. Oh, I had the I see. date wrong. Okay. <laughs> I'm a little more awake than I was. It's 10 o'clock. <laughs> it's 1017. We both had some coffee. I, I get to I got to go get to into a, a Greco-Roman wrestling match with Skype this morning. It was a lot of fun. Podcast technology. I problems. know. Everyone likes to hear how the sausage is made. That's why they say you want to know how the sausage is made. That's a cliche, right? Definitely yes, see how the, definitely, definitely look at how the sausage is made. Definitely wants to know how the sausage is made. Uh, in happier sausage making yes. news, we've had some cool announcements this week. We uh, the, the first is that Roberta Kaplan, who is the attorney that litigated the Supreme Court case that got the Defensive Marriage Act struck down, which uh, we consider and is widely considered to be one of the major civil rights victories of our time, uh, has a book coming out called Then Comes Marriage. And because we do books and we like civil rights, she's going to be speaking at Book Riot Live. This is just so cool. This happened while I was on vacation. I had no knowledge of it until like it was announced. And I was like, what? This is so cool. <laughs> it's so great to go away from the sausage yeah. factory for a little while. <laughs> and look, sausage. Right. Yay. And you like it again. I know. And you like it again. That's uh, true. So if you want to see, if you want to see Roberta Kaplan speak at Book Riot Live, if you want to see Margaret Atwood speak mm. at Book Riot Live, as we were very excited to announce last week, if you want to see Sarah McLean or Daniel Jose Older or Beverly Jenkins or many of any of the many other excellent writers um, and publishing folks that we've announced already, you can use the code wheelhouse at bookriotlive.com to save 20 dollars. Save twenty dollars on your registration. Book Riot Live is November 7th and 8th. We're going to do a live show of the podcast so you can mm-hmm. watch us be awkward in person. It'll be great. There's going to be a live one of these podcasts. There's going to yes. be a live all the books podcast. There's going to be a live reading lives podcast. There's going to be a live dear book nerd pod. There's, there's, there's going to be, be a so whole many. like podcast pod. A there pod will be podcast. The, the po- podcast. It'll be the Metapod. The Metapod, yeah. Um, we'll have uh, special guests and people coming to join us and having lots of fun there. Book Riot Live. We've, we've, selling, we've, had, we've had some tickets sales in July so far. We have. Picking up again as people are getting close. It's four months away. So. It is, I, man, four months. I know. So. It, seems, it, felt, it seems like a long way, but uh, it's not, not too bad. we got one other thing that you might want to know about. We, 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 we partnered with this site called Custom Bee to do our own fo- phone cases. Uh, Custombee.com com slash book right uh, b-e-e as in the bumble variety of b um and we have a phone case that it's a limited edition was two weeks is that how yes, long it's available two weeks. and it says we got our, our our great designer scott to design a case just for us it's, and it says this is me reading so you know all the time you spend on scribd reading or in your kindle app or wherever and people think you're just playing a game or whatever you're like no this is my book like a lot of us we're doing a lot of our e-reading on our phone i know you mm-hmm. do a lot i do a lot um clint does a lot 
Uh, and like, it's kind of a symbol, like, you know, books are still important to me, even though I look like I have my face plugged into a, a, a snap quiz uh, or whatever else the kids are using these days. So it's custombead.com slash book, right? I got, I ordered one. Actually, I haven't. I'm going to, I just got back from vacation last night, but I'm going to order one and it's 20 bucks, including shipping. So it's all, all in. It's going to cost you 20 bucks, uh, a nice quality case. Oh, and the other thing about it is they, they service a whole bunch of different kinds of phones. So if you have an iPhone, any of the more recent iPhones, any of the more popular uh, uh, Android models, um, they do it all. One thing we liked about this is, is like usually with these kind of campaigns before, you'd have to pick one phone model. But with this one, you know, there's like several hundred that they support. So if you're looking for a new phone case that uh, shows off how much you like books, uh, go to custombead.com slash bookriot and you can check it out and see if it's for you. And I think it will be right there. Does that sound I right? I think so. It, it does sound right. And if you are listening to audiobooks oh. on your phone, then you will want to pay attention because our first sponsor this week is Random House Audiobooks. That was very, that was, you know, very nice. I wasn't even thinking along the Segway tip and uh, that shows that you're on point today and I am, I am not. Well, you're just, you know, still coming out of that vacation. I am. I really am. Um, so tell I me, what, 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 what am I doing if I go to tryaudiobooks.com? Well, what am I, why did I go there? If you go to tryaudiobooks.com, you are going to find suggestions for audiobooks to listen to while you do all the stuff that you do in your life anyway, because the great thing about listening to audiobooks is that it's multitasking. You can get other stuff done and read a book at the same time. And I know that we are both all for that. Anytime that you can put a book in your brain while you're being productive in some other way, it's just double plus good. Mm -hmm. uh, so whatever your hobbies are, if you're into cooking, if you're into gardening, crafting, if you're one of those crazy people who likes to exercise, uh, when you're traveling, whatever, uh, you can find recommendations for genre, for your activity of choice, for the length of time that you're looking for. If you're going to be taking a road trip with the kids, you can search for, you know, entertaining, family friendly audiobooks to listen to in the car. Random House Audio has everything from The Girl on the Train to Star Wars to A Lucky Life Interrupted. Every month this summer, they're featuring different titles for giveaways also. And for the month of July, they're giving away some cooking audiobooks. So you can listen to Skinny Habits if, you know, you're thinking about your beach body. Uh, the Good Gut. You can listen to The Truth According to Us by Annie Barrows. Kitchens of the Great Midwest, which I'm starting to hear a whole lot of buzz about. That's a mm -hmm. novel. And this has nothing to do with cooking, uh, but would be a great book to listen to while you cook in The Unlikely Event by Judy Bloom, which is her new novel for adults that just came out earlier this summer. Uh, so go to tryaudiobooks.com, get recommendations for audiobooks to listen to while you do all your normal life stuff. Um, and then you can enter some giveaways for those titles that I mentioned as well. Thanks to them Thanks for to sponsoring them for the show this week. Hey, you know what I really wanted to hear is more complicated than even we thought? <laughs> Harper Lee? It, it, it's, like, it's like the Plantagenet Kings. It's so complicated. It is. It's, this is like... <sighs> Okay. There's always, when you're on vacation, there's always one thing that I have to really make myself not text you about. And this week, this was the thing. So I'm, I'm looking at the New York Times article here and I'm trying to summarize. I guess, I guess somebody, uh, Tanya Carter, who is the, the current executor of the Lee, Harper Lee's estate, um, a few years ago had called in uh, an antiquarian bookseller, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, from Sotheby's. From Sotheby's, yeah, uh, to come look at, through the archives. And, and it looks like they were trying to get some appraisals of an original 
publisher's proof of To Kill a Mockingbird and looking through the other files. And he's come forward to say that the timeline we've been given to this point from the Lee estate about Ghost of the Watchmen is, is bogus. That actually they knew about the manuscript a few years ago rather than, I guess, I, I've lost track of what we've actually have been told, but recently, like last mm-hmm. year or something, they were going through the, the vault and uh, next to Tutankhamun's tomb and uh, the Ark of the Covenant that Indiana Jones placed there, they found uh, this original draft of what would become To Kill a Mockingbird that we're now calling Ghost of the Watchmen. And it comes out next week, uh, yeah, so- crazily. Uh, and so this adds fuel to the fire of the, the, that something is rotten in the state of uh, uh, Harper yes. Mark. And it's looking like it might be Ms. Carter who's yeah. rotten. That's the way all the, the if I put on my Miss Marple hat, the way the evidence in this piece looks to mm-hmm. me. So the Sotheby's person uh, was named uh, Samuel Pincus. Pincus. And uh, oh, and and no, there's Pincus, and then there's a called Mr. Caldwell. So right, right. Pincus and Caldwell go from Sotheby's. They meet Ms. Carter in the like vault that Harper Lee has in 2011, and they are rifling through things. They find a manuscript. He flips through it, and Caldwell says out loud to everyone in the room, according to him and to witnesses, that this looks like an early version of To Kill a Mockingbird. It's set in the same town, but the characters are older. Mm-hmm. which is what we've heard about Gosetta Watchmen so far. Ms. Carter acknowledges that she was there. At the, she was there, but she claims that she had left the room to run an errand before any review of the materials occurred. So she claims that she was not there when this different manuscript was found that day, but the other people who were present contest that report well, and that's say not, that she was that, there. Uh, the other people don't. Only Pincus does. Sotheby's, uh, this is oh, a, right, this right. is confusing because Sotheby's says they treat appraisals as confidential matters, which I can understand why they mm-hmm. do that. Um, so this other guy, Mr. Caldwell, Justin he Caldwell, can't comment. he can't comment. So the person here speaking is, so Sotheby's confirmed that there was a meeting, but not what happened there. Okay, so there's no evidence of this go set a watchman thing appearing on their behalf so much earlier. And this Pincus dude that says there was, well, he's not a clean actor either. Because he was later fired by Carter in the estate and sued in 2013 by Harper Lee because they accused him of duping her into transferring the copyright for Mockingbird to him, which we all know about because remember all that crap? Yeah, but Uh, at that point, wasn't Lee already represented by Carter? Wasn't Carter running the whole show? In 2013? So I don't, don't know. But Mr. Pincus, is, he has reason to be pissed at the Lee party. That's all I'm saying here. Right, like, he does. This is not like, you know, I, through the goodness of my heart, I thought the American people should know. And I've got a lot to lose here <laughs> by, like, putting my ass out on the line. Like, no, this guy's been kicked to the curb once by these folks. And it sounds like the lawsuit was settled out of court. So it looks to me, just from where I'm sitting and looking at the time, and we followed this story early on in mm-hmm. the days of the podcast about there was no ebook available and that Lee herself didn't even own the rights at that point. Like someone did something crappy, and it sounds like it was this Pincus fellow, but I don't know. I, this is, I'm just reading between um, the Times New Roman 12 point on my computer screen here. But this, it's, just, it's, it's just turtles all the way down here. It's so many turtles. Um, it's, this is like multiple towers. Yeah, of it, turtles. It, and so yeah. 
they're they're saying here it's unclear why if the manuscript was really found in 2011 if pincus is to be believed carter would have delayed bringing it to publication and some people questioned whether alice lee harper lee's older sister who was serving as her caretaker um up until her death in 2014 didn't want it out there didn't want it out there and but you know what if miss carter's now the executive of the state it doesn't matter what alice lee wants i mean i don't know it's very difficult no it doesn't well but it that points to like weird squeaky making stuff right if if carter knew about the thing but is denying that she knew about it previously and was just waiting until alice lee died so that she could publish it against potentially harper lee's wishes or well but if alice left tanya in charge of the estate like you see what i'm getting at here i do it's all this it's just gross it's crazy it's so weird all the way around um and so tanya carter it, it gets even weirder, of course, because Carter speaks on behalf of Lee. Yeah, and defending so, herself. Like, right. So and so when the news was announced in February that the book was coming out, Carter released a statement on Harper Lee's behalf that says in Harper Lee's voice, I hadn't realized it has it had survived, so was surprised and delighted when my dear friend and lawyer Tanya Carter discovered it. And, of course, we have no way of knowing whether Harper Lee said that and Carter just wrote it down and actually spoke it on her behalf or if Harper Lee even knows that Carter said these things or if yeah, Carter wrote so, this statement putting the words in Harper like Lee's Tonya, mouth there's so like many Tonya questions. It's like Tanya Carter is like you, manipulating a marionette of herself yes. to speak for, it's so it's, it's I you know look I'm <laughs> to the point where I sort of believe the most likely scenario is at some point the Lee sister they knew that scene was out there and they didn't really want to publish it but for whatever reason, they decided they wanted Miss Carter to be the executor of the of Lee's estate, and as that in that role, she can do this. And that's how the and that's that's how the law works how here. The cr- cookie is going to crumble. Um, there are also notes a little further down or far further farther. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's early enough that I can't tell the difference there. Um, in this New York Times piece about um, how Harper Lee's original editor used this note card system to track the books um, that she was working on and how it does not ever appear that the publisher considered Go Set a Watchman to be a real contender as a follow-up to To Kill a Mockingbird. Right, even though so, it was written first. Right, so and weird. so like this, the story has been, she wrote this first, the editor said, I want to read about these people when they're younger, that would be more interesting, and so To Kill a Mockingbird is the book that came out of the, mm-hmm. like, essentially that Go Set a Watchman might have been the crappy first draft. Or and, it's great, and editors are wrong all the time, and they true, reject that's Vonnegut true. 97 times before we get you know it's it's very but hard to, we're gonna know that, we're gonna yeah, know we here, are gonna though. know soon i'm so interested in what next week yeah. is gonna be like you know the other thing i i followed the news a little bit while i was gone and i saw this because everyone that listens to the podcast thank you so much was tweeting at me like hey did you see this new thing <laughs> and i'm like you know i think this muddies muddy waters like how much muddier can the water really get the mm. thing i was thinking about like well how much faith do we have in the uh integrity of the text Hmm. Like, will anyone know that Harper Lee wrote it? Like, maybe there's like actually some typewritten thing that some like paleontologist can carbon date like 1959 (laughs) or something. But like, because you know what? If someone says, you know, this doesn't sound like Harper Lee, Harper Lee through Tanya Carter is going to say, no, there's no way Tanya Carter messed with it. You know what I mean? It's like weird again. Like, well, and we don't have reports that Harper Lee has like been working on no. this with she was doing current, some other stuff no with a current editor um 
So even if they had the original carbon dated 1959, like first draft of Ghost at a Watchman, pretty much everything that gets published needs some kind of yeah. editing. I'm sure it was so, proofed by someone at Harper's. Right. right. Like who's been, uh, who's doing the rewrites here of paragraphs that need to be In the initial announcement, Harper Collins said they weren't going to do anything to it except, you know, format it for printing. Now, again, how will we know? I don't know the answer to that. Everyone on the publishing side of this who stands to make dollars has reason to obfuscate, right? Right. They, they, you know, what they want us to, what they want us to feel like is this was, this is a legit text and it was brought out legitimately legal, not only, not only legally, because I don't think a lot of book buyers, especially they're following this, just want it to be legal. They wanted to sort of have the moral stamp of approval that Harper herself is at least indifferent to its release, right? <laughs> yeah. Not, it doesn't she have to be happy about it, just that she, she did, there's not some piece of paper somewhere that Harper Lee wrote said, never, ever, 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 ever release this thing. You know, like, <laughs> that's what we don't want. Um, right. But, you know, I, we're not going to get that, and this is where we are. And we're not going to have definitive, nope. it looks like, proof that Harper Lee wanted it to be published. So it's going to have this mystery. And I don't think we're going to have definitive proof that she would have thrown her body in front of it either. Like, we're just yeah, not going to get a clear signal either way. We're just going to have to wonder. I'm yeah. just, I think I'm, I am at the point where I'm really interested in how it's all going to play out. Yeah. Um, I'm more interested in what's going to happen around it than I am interested in what the book actually is. Mm. Um, but I was wondering, I've been like, my poor husband has been hearing so much. <laughs> about like what's going to happen with Harper Lee like if it's bad if it's bad then are is anyone going to say it's bad or are we going to be in like oh a people weird... will say it's bad have you seen the internet that's true but are we going to be in like a weird emperor's new clothes situation where like just no one from like if it's bad will the New York Times issue a bad review people the said that Harper Morrison Lee? was bad that's true, but she's not. I mean, Toni Morrison's not Harper Lee in American Harper consciousness. Harper Lee is not yet. Toni Morrison. No, I agree. I would put all of my horses behind yeah, Toni yeah, Morrison. I, you know, I don't think that's how you. I don't think that's how you use horses. All my dollars, whatever. You, don't, you put the horses behind. I don't think. I'm, I'm betting all my dollars and all my donuts mm -hmm. on Toni Morrison, but I don't think that the like broader reading public goes that way yet. Like Harper Lee is this monumental figure in the imaginations of American yeah. readers. Well, I mean, on a smaller scale, it might be like when Juneteenth, Juneteenth came out, Ralph Ellison's long, un, incomplete second novel that his estate cobbled together, and I think respectfully and maybe more importantly, transparently said, mm -hmm. this, this is assembled from a variety of texts. This is not a document Ellison himself was ever ready to publish, nor would he have published it in this form. And... Again, there, I wasn't on the internet. I was I was much younger, and I wasn't really following a blow by blow if there was one. And again, Ellison is not Lee in the public consciousness. But that for me has always been a model of if you're going to be a literary estate and do something like that, put your cards on the table yeah. and say, you know, we have this stuff, and we think that it's not embarrassing to to our author to to put it out in this form, and we think you know the public has a certain right to see what else there was. And if they would have said something like that, like instead of doing this sort of pantomime of uh, put, you know, using Harper Lee's legal estate as a sock the, puppet, like hand waving smoke screen yeah, stuff, right. is so shady. Um, 
it would feel a lot different. Like, you know, maybe, again, we've said this before, and I don't think we're going to say anything we haven't said already. Like, it almost would be, be it almost be better to wait until Harper Lee was gone to do this mm-hmm. and just say, you know, she never wanted this published in her lifetime, but we think the public has an interest and a right to know, and, and American literature has, you know, this this improves literature history, literary history and our own experience of it. And I think, you know, we as a state think it should be out in the public. You yeah, know? I'm, I've accepted that I'm not going to get that Barbara Walters, Harper Lee interview. No, that no. I've been longing for. No, it's going to be Tanya Carter with a Harper Lee name tag. <laughs> like wearing yeah. a Harper Lee, like wearing a Harper Lee mask. Is that like. I'm totally Harper Lee. <laughs> Harper Lee is just three kids under a trench coat. Yeah, right. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, so anyway, I. I I don't know that this this was to me this wasn't uh, evidence in one co- in column A or column B. I think that Pincus has his hands dirty doesn't help me. You know, if Sotheby's somehow said, you know what, we had minutes, and Justin Caldwell, who has no like stake in the game, said, you know, you actually we had we found this thing, mm-hmm. then maybe that would be another at least at least that would mean that someone is on the Lee estate is lying, right? That you know their right. their timeline is wrong, but I, I just don't, I just don't know. Maybe he saw, I mean, maybe Pincus saw notes for something re- referring to ghosts at a watchman. I just don't know yeah. what's going on. Is it on wrong here. to wish for a leak? Like we get leaks of so many things in the media. But that who's going to leak? Who's going to leak <laughs> it? Like know. who knows the truth? I mean, that's there's maybe one person that knows the truth here. But like presumably Sotheby's has notes somewhere. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know, Jeff. I'm watching The West Wing again, and I, you know, if the White House can intentionally leak things, then. Yeah, but who would link (laughs) it? Who would leak it? If Sotheby's leaks it, they're on the hook for a huge lawsuit, and everyone's going to go to Christie's. Lee, Lee, what what the hell? How would you even know it's from her? Uh, there's no, there's no, like, there's no uh, unsullied uh, actor here to, to Everything appeal to. Everything is the worst. Everything is the worst. Let's so, move on. We got some <sighs> Speaking of other Harper Lee news, I'm sorry, sorry. If oh, you're, yeah, sorry, no, yeah. HarperCollins is releasing the first chapter of Ghost at a Watchman tomorrow, which would be Friday, uh, July 10th. 10th. Um, and in the on the UK side, it's going to be in the Guardian. And on the US side, it's going to be the Wall Street Journal, which I hope they will have unpaid walled because why in the world would Harper Collins decide to do that? But it could be I one of the ones that I've been wondering about that. But well, Harper we'll Collins and the Wall Street Journal are owned by the same company, right. so that's God, how the Wall Street Journal on. got picked. So I don't know. I was just, I mean, <laughs> I'm going to be super interested to read it. I will be ready and waiting for that. Do you think this is a sign of confidence in the manuscript? I think it is. Hmm. I don't, I don't know. If you thought it was crap ball McGillicuddy, would you really be releasing <laughs> it on, like, well, just let already, people buy it? Well, but the book is already HarperCollins' most pre-ordered title ever. Well, that's what I'm so saying. If, it, if the if the iron it is hot even ha- and like, it sucks, then why do this? I feel like it doesn't even have, it didn't, we didn't have to have any indication it was going to be good for it to attain that kind of record-breaking no. status and... I don't, I don't know. I guess I'm curious why do this. I think actually, I think that it's a move to appear confident in the manuscript. I'm not sure that they are confident. Well, maybe it's confident in in the first chapter. Mm -hmm. Because the rest of it could be, uh, could be uh, a disaster. But if the first chapter is interesting. It's just a little dangling carrot of Mm -hmm. get a taste of Scout 20 years later and then 
read the rest of the book and find out what happens. But like what we've said over and over about publishing is they're less concerned with reader responses to a book than they are with selling a book in the first place. And so like blurbs often can spoil or hint at spoilers about what happens in a book and publishing just kind of rolls on and shrugs their shoulders about that because they don't really care if the twist got spoiled for you. They care that you bought the book in the first place. It's like movies, right? They want a huge opening weekend. Yeah. And so I think that that's what this is like all that Harper Collins wants is for you to plunk down 27 bucks or whatever this week and buy the new Harper Lee. It would be great if it was excellent and they continued to sell a bajillion copies of it from now until forever, the way that To Kill a Mockingbird does. But the first priority is selling the book and having people think it's good is secondary. Right. I guess what I was asking is they must think at some level that having a complete first chapter out there will sell more copies on Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, they must think on some level. I've, I, I think we've said on the show, too, that we've like yet to see any evidence that excerpts sell books. There's just a lot I, of anecdata on both sides about either readers like them or readers don't like them or they don't make any difference. Like we've just heard stories. <sighs> so I think they have a feeling. Yeah, I don't Harper even know Collins how you would do feelings. this because you get excerpts in a bunch of different magazines. You can do an, well, Amazon, who is famously yeah. helpful with releasing all the great data they have. <laughs> They're never going to know. We're going to know how many people like, well, someone at the Wall Street Journal is going to know how many people right. read that first or at least opened the tab for that mm-hmm. first chapter. We're not going to know how many people read it. There'll be no way to translate that into sales. Right. But somebody at HarperCollins feels like it's going to lead to sales. And they're at least Well, I guess you also don't you don't have author interviews to do ahead of time. You don't have you know like what do you like in the in the 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 armory of things publicists have to promote a book, they've got none of it. They can't do a Twitter takeover. No, they can't they can't. (laughs) They can't. Anyway, well, I do look forward to the the inevitable movie that's made about the release of Ghost of right. Watchmen, starring Tom Hanks as uh, Stephen. Yeah, I want to watch a documentary about all of this business. Yeah, yeah. Tanya um, Carter, Kathy Bates is Tanya Carter is <laughs> maybe a good, but maybe a bad actor here. She, Kathy Bates is uniquely good at that. Like you like her, but also kind of freaks you out. You're a little just bit. suspicious of yeah, her the whole yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She got a little crazy uh, in the eyes. By the time that this show goes out, by the time you all are listening to it, that excerpt will be, be available. Out. So yeah. you can click your way uh, to reading it. And if it's paywalled at the Wall Street Journal, people can just go to the, the Guardian because the internet works that well, way. Well, if you, the thing um, is, if you're on the ocean, you get out, you get outside of America, then the, mm-hmm. the Wall Street Journal doesn't work. Uh, and then you can let us know what you think. Yeah. Hit us All up right. on Twitter and tell us. Um, so we, in, you know, interesting lighter news, our friends uh, at Goodreads conducted a poll of Goodreads users about summer reading. And so they had... Go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. Finish it. Finish it. And they had 95,000 responses. All right, I haven't looked at this. So, if, is there? A, can you quiz me? Can I guess anything? I haven't looked sure. at anything at all. What What is there for me to guess? Okay. So, um, how many books oh, boy. do you think people typically take on vacation? Uh, hang on, I'll give you categories. The choices were one, two, three, four, five, six to nine, or more than ten. And What's this is the, Goodreads. Members. This is Goodreads members. So this is a this is a weird sample mm-hmm. size. What do you think is the most popular slice of that pie? Three. Correct. Ah, one for one. Okay, well, I'm done. I'm out. Twenty four percent of Goodreads users said they were they typically brought three books on okay. vacation. All right. Um, twenty three percent said they take two books. Okay. So pretty close there. Ten percent said one book. Fifteen percent said ten books or more. 
on mm, vacation. Jesus. Um, I wonder how many of those are, that's like a loaded e-reader that has I was going to say, because I've got a few unread e-books on my phone. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't really call that taking them. I mean, that's weird. Anyway, okay. Yeah, I, yeah it is yeah. weird. And when I went to the beach for two weeks last year, I took, I typically just read print because, you know, like you're mm-hmm. sitting on the beach sure. and I don't want to get sand in my iPad. I think I took a stack of 12 for two weeks. They didn't ask about how long is your typical vacation. So I, there's no cross-reference to like, maybe the people taking the 10 books are going on a trip for more than a week, or maybe they're going for three days and they just like choices. Who knows? Um, do you want to guess about the format preference between audio, ebooks, paperbacks, and hardbacks? Sure. What uh, types of books do you read on what, vacation? Audio, paper, hard, e? Yep. Well, uh, I'm going to just, I'm gonna, you know what, I'm going to go with the chalk, which is just about what the, what the distribution of all books are. So around 28% ebook? No, oh, no. Oh, what is it? 41%. Oh, okay. Okay. So I'd have to readjust. So there's only, there's only 59% left for all their categories. I'm going to put a bunch of, uh, I'm going to put a bunch of eggs in the paperback basket. I'm going with uh 33% paperback. You're way under there too. Wait, wait so what's that? 48. So there's only, there's only 11% left for hardback and audiobook. Uh huh. Well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know how to split. So I'm going with um, 5% audio and uh, 4%, or excuse me, 6% hardback. 2% audio, 9% Really? Hardback. Okay, mm-hmm. see, this is what we call Jeff bias. And in what country do they speak Portuguese? Oh, yeah. Uh, right. The, fall, <laughs> the Galapagos. All the turtles out there speak Portuguese. All right, okay, let's well, see. All right. um, and then we've got how long is your ideal vacation read? Under and, 200 pages? 200 to 300, 300 to 400, 400 to 500, or over 500 pages? Uh, two to 300. Most popular was actually 300 to 400 with 36%. Well, I've long said the ideal form, the ideal length of a novel is 330 pages. I, that, that's just, that, sound, that always feels right to me. I well, like the people that. of Goodreads agree with you. Well, because they're smart, handsome, and charming. Um, <laughs> and then the, uh, where do you usually read during the summer? Okay. What are my choices? Uh, on the beach, by the pool, in a car, in the great outdoors, in an airplane, in bed. Uh, in bed has to be the, the... Yeah. If they don't say that, they're lying. 63%. Uh, there we go. And then after that, I'm going with uh, in the car. Uh, that was only 3%. Oh, right, because audiobooks. I, right. I messed the next that up. One, the next one was uh, 21% said in the great outdoors. The great out, but the beach doesn't count as the great outdoors. I guess not. Six yeah, percent. You know, on we, the call beach. That, we call that we call that confounding fact. We call that bad study design. Okay. Uh, Interesting. So there's a cute little infographic. We'll drop a link to it in the show notes. You guys can check it out and tell us how your summer reading habits compare. Well, that also either okay. So the ebook one, I guess, is the one that really threw me off the most there because I was off by thirteen percent, which as a you know that's actually forty percent of the actual number. But I guess there's a couple of possibilities. One is that actually people regular readers do a lot more of their e-reading in the summer or mm-hmm. good readers, Goodreads members as a category do more e-reading. One or both of those things mm-hmm. are probably true, have to be true. 
Um, I, we yeah, we need from, a control group. We need like Goodreads to tell us what the sort of non-beach reading yeah. looks well, like. Yeah, and we know from um, surveys that we've done of Book Riot readers yeah. that our audience reads more ebooks, reads more ebooks, and is more likely to read ebooks than mm-hmm. the general reading public that's in those giant Pew Research Center right, studies right, right. Um, by like twice a, a factor of like twice as much. Um, so it's possible that the hardcore readers that we have are really similar to the hardcore readers that mm-hmm. hang out at Goodreads. We know there's some overlap there a significant overlap so that that's that could be part of it maybe people are like you said reading more digitally over the summer because they're traveling more paper books take up space and luggage and get heavy um well, if you are one of the 41% of people that read ebooks over the summer or one of the 3% of people that like audiobooks over the summer that means 44% of you should be trying Scribd this summer. Oh, look at what you did. I've I've had two cups of coffee since we started, so my uh, (laughs) neurons are finally firing properly. Scribd.com slash bookride, S-C-R-I-B-D. You can go there, get a free month of all you can read, e-books, audiobooks, and comics. Scribd has books from the best publishers around, HMH, SNS, HC. It's all, uh, it's all, uh, 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 initials today, uh, McSweeney's Counterpoint and Tin House, get access to more than 30,000 audiobooks to go along with your half a million ebooks. I- even some of the big front wrist releases, especially on audio, but there's a lot of ebooks too, mm-hmm. of books that you have heard about, heard us talk about, heard all the books talk about over the last several months are available right now as part of your $8.99 a month subscription. You can get 30 days free to try it out, but after that, it's only $8.99 a month. And if you use, uh, if you go to slash book riot, not only do you see, you know, some of the things we've picked out, picked out, but it tells them that you came from us. They continue sponsoring the show and we get to say nice things about script and give you some picks. And speaking of picks, what are, what are, what are our current picks? We have current picks going here. We do have current picks. Yeah, okay. Uh, Men We Reaped by Jesmyn Ward, which is on scribs.com slash book riot as one of our favorites. Um, I couldn't remember the title for the life of me last week, and thankfully Amanda could assist there. Uh, but as, if you're thinking about race, if you're thinking about what's been in the news lately in the United States and what it means to be black in America, Men We Reaped is Ward's um, memoir and sort of cultural history together mm-hmm. um, as she lost five young men in her life in, a, in a, just the period of a few short years um, in ways that were intricately connected and inextricable from uh, the fact that they were black. Um, it's very just forthright and heartbreaking and a candid look at her personal experience, but also at what it means to be uh, particularly poor and black in the United States. Um, Ta-Nehisi Coates's memoir, Between the World and Me, is coming out next week, and I'll talk about it on all the books next week and probably here as well. But if you're going to read that, you mm-hmm. should pick up Men We Reaped also on Scribd. Um, and for something different from that, one of my favorite books of the year so far is called H is for Hawk by Helen McDonald. It's a, um, it's also sad. Uh, hmm. It's a it's a memoir of um, after her father died, she channeled her grief into training goshawks, which are like notoriously the most difficult hawks to train. And this is the memoir of her experience doing that, which sounds like okay, it's just a lady training birds, um, but it is riveting. Um, there's she kind of looks her grief right in the face and writes about that loss of someone that was so important to her life. But then 
also writes really beautifully about her encounters with these birds and sort of how dealing with the birds helped her to deal with the loss of her father. There's a chapter where she sits in the dark with this hawk that she's just brought home, just sits Mm. there like in silence in the dark for hours all day long, just letting the bird get used to her presence. Hmm. And it's it's just totally riveting. Interesting. Um, yeah. So that's H is for Hawk. Minor serious picks on Scribd this week. But that's um, available to, as an ebook or as an audiobook. And mm. one of you listeners told me on Twitter that the audiobook is really wonderful and that McDonald reads it herself. So thank uh, you I, for that. I, I got two picks. When we talked about Salter two weeks ago. I just want to remind you that A Sport in a Pastime, which yes. was... Both of our well, we said uh, we said uh, the most recent one that I'm blanking. At, all that is, all that is, all yeah. that is, is maybe a one stop if you want the the over the overall sort of uh, Salter view. But sport in the pastime is sort of the singular work that's available there. Also, I like in the summertime. I like to read books about the ocean myself hmm. on the water, and I just saw that uh, Shipping News by Annie Prue is available. If you haven't, that was a you know a big paperback bestseller a few years ago. Um, it's set in Nova Scotia and it's, you know, a lot of, well, the shipping, the shipping news is the paper that the main character goes to work for. A lot of, there's like a myth and some little magical realism thrown in for you. Wasn't and there a movie? There was, starring Kevin Spacey. Uh, okay. It came out. It was okay. The the book is is a great summer read. It's also about cold water. So if you like to read about the water, but it's also hot, you got to kind of get a little bit of a, a refreshing breeze uh, in your reading face there as well. Um, so that's Scribd. Sold. Scribd.com slash book, right? I really enjoy that book and I I really like her writing. All right, we're on to more news here. Book sales slightly up in the first half of 2015, which is going to mean that 2015 is a big year because we've got Gray came out after mm-hmm. July 1. So that's not in uh that's not uh included here and we've got we've got the big Ghost at a Watchman, which I am completely confident and you can tell by my tone <laughs> of voice how confident I am that Ghost and a Watchman will outsell Gray this um, year the, uh, in the calendar uh, twenty uh, calendar year twenty fifteen. Um, still a lot of strength coming from twenty fourteen's bestsellers, which which is actually gives you good indication if twenty fifteen is even up because twenty fourteen was a good year. Yeah, and interestingly, twenty fourteen was a was a big year for um, juvenile fiction, yes. for young adult particularly. Sales of young adult are down 5% mm-hmm. in 2015. So other categories of books are compensating for that. This Publishers Weekly piece attributes um, adult fiction, attributes a lot of the bump to adult fiction, specifically The Girl on the Train Gray and All the Light We Cannot See. So I guess they're counting. Yeah, Gray came out right before July. So, um, oh, it did. It came out June eighteenth. Oh, June eighteenth. So those birthday, first Jeff, twelve days. On. Those first twelve days. But there were two million copies. I mean, right, we knew one point one million sold in the first four days. That so was they a get all big drop. All the light we all cannot right. see is continuing to sell. It's still yeah. in hardcover, um, wow. which it looks like the publisher is going to ride that train for as long as they can. Um, adult nonfiction went up three percent. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think of. What that would have been. I can't think of it. I mean, no, nothing come. As the, the Ansari book came out. Oh, maybe. I don't know that that sold a billion um, copies, though. Uh, there was an increase in uh, juvenile and young adults no. and kids nonfiction oh, as well. Board books continue to be strong, increased 10%. 10% over uh, January of June 2014. Yeah. So that's good. Uh, adult, Yeah, adult nonfiction was the biggest category, up 3%. Then adult fiction, which went up 1%. 
juvenile nonfiction went up 9% hmm. and juvenile fiction dropped 5%. So, so relative strength across the board. I mean, it's no surprise that YA is going to be down because you just can't. You had Divergent right, and The Fault in Our Stars. Well, we also have the last Mocking, the last Hunger Game movie coming out the back half of this year. Oh, I wonder right, if that right. will give us some spur. And another, the second and the Divergent movies are coming out in the back half of 2015. So they will presumably get a bump from that. I, and I think the new John Green movie is coming out later mm-hmm. this year, right? So the, 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 YA, the, the movie bump YA stuff is going to have a big be back in the of the fall. year in the right. fall. So There's a new Rainbow Rowell book this fall. There's not a movie with it. No, that's at true. At least not yet, yeah. but that'll be a big one. Um, very interesting to see that uh, that uh, for a relatively I guess the girl on the train though I don't underplay that because that has sold a, a, that has sold a huge like I just saw a story today as I was trying to get back up to speed that it's been on the top of the UK bestseller list for 20 weeks bumping mm-hmm. off um, the breaking the lost symbols record our, our boy D Brizzle so oh, that is no. not a joke that that book is selling um, but and there's and there's some heavy hitters to come so. Great. Yay books. Yay, Yay books. The sky is not falling. The sky, the sky is not falling. <laughs> uh, let's see. Where else are we want to go here? I, what do you think of this promo thing about the <laughs> tattoo? You have, you have bookish tattoos, so I you, you're do. a good person to ask about I this. I mean, I have, I, I have bookish, well, I have a bookish tattoo. I love, I love tattoos. I like that symbolism of a thing that you care about mm-hmm. being a part of your body. Um, or, or for me, yeah, I don't think everyone should get them if you don't want them, but I like tattoos. So this, this is just weird. And like, I think this is kind of dumb. Um, Hachette Australia publishes Stieg Larsson. Uh, he's published by Random House in the United States, but Hachette has the rights in Australia. And they are looking for a young woman with a blank back who wants a dragon tattoo. So I guess if you are a young woman who's been planning on getting a dragon tattoo anyway, this is, a good, cover oppor- your cost. <laughs> this is a good opportunity for you. You get a, um, you get a black and white tattoo of a dragon that's about a foot square on your back. The publisher will cover the cost. It'll take eight hours and it will be completed by Kaleidoscope Tattoo in Sydney, Australia. So you probably need to be Australian as well. And all they want is access to your back for three months. Uh, though, though, the ta- <laughs> just so you know, tattoos last longer than that, right? And I want, and, and they take a little while to heal. So I wonder, like, the book comes out in September. So you probably should get this tattoo pretty quickly tattoos are pretty like gnarly for the first month right um the girl with the swollen back tattoo yeah and then they peel it like it looks like sunburn oh this is this is a this is a barbaric process Just get a a brand of a dragon and call it Something as big as your back is going to take a while. And so the woman in question will donate her back for three months. Um, And and you get 255 characters to express why you're interested in getting this tattoo and in promoting the series. Is this Um, just me or is this a lopsided deal here? Like, okay. (laughs) Okay, okay. It touched a nerve. (laughs) Why can't it be a temporary tattoo? Because then like, we don't talk about it on the show. No, I'm serious. No, no, it's and they're calling it tatvertising. Yeah, that's not a thing. It's not stupid. A thing. Stupid promotion portmanteaus just have to go away. Like unless okay, so they're they're getting us to talk about this, right? We're talking yeah, about yeah, the fact yeah. that they're going to do this. But people How are stupid gonna, it is. <laughs> people are going to talk about the book is called The Girl in the Spider's Web, which I'm totally they're, interested. By the way, yes, of course. I, yeah, and it, yeah, okay. People are going to be talking about this book coming out. 
anyway. Right. They could do an you could do a great ad campaign with a woman's back and a tattoo and like the people who see the ad campaign aren't going to know that it's a real woman who really got this tattoo just no. I guess if you're yeah, if can you person, bird dog a billboard for 500 yards? You know, that's a that's a real tattoo, and like, she just got it for this book. R- right. Like, are they going to – is there an asterisk on the bottom of all of these posters that's like, by the way, this is yeah, a real it says, person by the who way, got- I am totally Harper Lee, it says at the bottom. <laughs> this tattoo is real, and the publisher gave it to me for free, and now I'm going to be their walking billboard forever. Like, the, really, the only reason to do this is if you already love these books and you really wanted a dragon tattoo and now you can get one for free and you don't mind, like, the three months of being available to Hachette Australia. Like, and a big back piece is expensive. No. So this is, a, like, this is a way to get a free tattoo if this is a thing that you really want already. But, like, why? Why? I just... <sighs> Yeah, maybe maybe if they threw in like fifty grand, like, like a travel I mean, stipend been, or something, or been, Billy's like, Pizza and IKEA bookshelves like, and uh, I was thinking a twenty eleven MacBook Pro, you know. Like, I don't think anybody's going to get this tattoo just for the sake of getting a free tattoo. Like, it's a giant back piece and it's a dragon and it's connected to a particular uh, book. People do weird stuff. Um, they do, but I, so I was thinking about like, what is there a tatvertising campaign that would get me mm. to sign up? And so, like, I'm noodling. I have been noodling have on, okay. uh, on a Marilyn Robinson inspired mm. something. Just a and ramshackle it, Iowa farmhouse. Yes, and then and it's covered in tears. The tears. Yeah. <laughs> well, here, the thing the thing I was thinking about, and I hadn't considered the what I would get tattooed because I there there's nothing because there's um, not. It's like being the CEO of Reddit. How much would it cost? Well, how much would you have to pay me to be the CEO of Reddit? And the answer is there is no dollar amount. The uh, limit is zero. <laughs> um, but I was wondering, like, surely there are women out there that have gotten that have dragon tattoos yeah, already, like, and probably some of them have gotten them for the because of the book. I yeah, mean, that would be cool. Like, like a photo sh- campaign of like. Like yes. women who already have gotten it because there's been no incentive or contest. I mean, that's that's, that's what we call authentic right. marketing. Which, like, oh, actually, no. Now that I'm like, if, I forgot. I have two bookish tattoos because one of them is a comic book tattoo. Oh, now. right. But yes. that's from like this to me is like. Um, so my comic book tattoo is from Bitch Planet, and a lot of women have the same thing. It's the non-compliant symbol from that from that series. Um, so if. Image Comics wanted to do a thing, I could imagine them being like, hey, we're looking for people that are willing to get the non-compliant tattoo and we'll give you the tattoo for free and then you'll be in our ad campaigns. Uh Um, And there are probably are people who want the tattoo and haven't gotten it yet. But there are already like hundreds, if not thousands of people who do have it. And so like real stories of people who got the thing Mm -hmm. out of a genuine desire, I think is so much more interesting and a better way to sell something than we found this woman who would let us give her a dragon tattoo in exchange for three months of work. Um, Seriously. And I think you're right. Like a lot of people have been inspired by Elizabeth Salander for many Reasons, and right. I'm sure that there are there women in the world already rocking incredible dragon tattoos, like a girls with dragon tattoos ad campaign. A that's bunch like of black and white and shot like, by Annie Leibovitz. Like that would be yeah, awesome. A bunch of women that are you know, different races and yes, shapes and, and sizes, sizes, right? And they have different Lizbeth dragon tattoos. Think that would be so cool. Um, yeah. I think Simon and Schuster did a feature a few years ago for. Um, 
and it was just online, like it wasn't a big thing, but um, for the Fahrenheit 451 mm. anniversary, I remember coming across like a tumbler of a bunch of Fahrenheit 451 tattoos. Right. Um, and I think that it was a thing that they had done that were the same, like, look how much people love this book that we're celebrating. All these people already have tattoos of it. Yeah, it's like they but, got this pitch, like, okay, we, the, the franchise is stuffed with tattoos, dragon tattoos. Right. Let's do something with real tattoos. And so like they're, they're on, they've got the ball in their hands, right? And that's not a bad ball. And they're, they're getting ready to throw the pitch and they just they just throw it way over the catcher's head with this like this was I don't know this is I don't like Like, this did it not occur to them that people are already out there with dragon tattoos and it might not be difficult to like the internet can find anybody but you know what advertisers love a contest that's true and I don't know they're staging a casting call on July 15th (sighs) great great Well, just think how cool it would be, like, say, if Bitch Planet ever was made into a movie or TV show, and as part of, like, the viral marketing, yeah. you ha- ask people to submit, like, little videos about their non-compliant tattoo, you'd get some interesting, usable stuff, I would think. You would. You would. Yeah. It would be, like, the, those montages of all the amazing women in the Mad Max movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good idea. Uh, um, nice point. All right. Let's do one more news story here, and then we got to get to the new uh, books. Tatvertising. Tatvertising. Blah. <laughs> Um, new Man Booker International Prize. I thought this was pretty interesting. This is interesting. Um, so the, they're going to have a reinvented Man International Prize. Um, they're going to fold in the existing Independent Foreign Fiction Prize uh, to, I guess this is, there's going to be two bookers now. Let mm-hmm. me start over. The, the regular Man Booker International Prize, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm butchering this. The, the Man Booker is for basically now literature in English, right? Because the, yes. Ameri- the Americas were finally eligible. Mm-hmm. So my book, I can finally get it out there and win the Booker. Um, and they have had the Independent Foreign Fiction Prize, but now there's going to be the Man Booker International Prize for literature not originally written in English. But, but translated into but English. But translated. Into, so it can't be only available in a non-English language. Um so uh, this is a, this is a big. I think it will immediately become the the highest profile translated fiction prize. I think it will, and it's it, it it is increasing the incentive and the prize money significantly. Um, the prize money oh, right, yes. is split equally between the author and the translator, and it's going from ten thousand pounds, which has been the prize for the independent foreign fiction prize, up to the Booker scaled fifty thousand pounds. Mm, very nice um, to be split between the author and translator. So it. It's higher profile to have the Booker name connected. Uh, it's a, a much bigger prize now to win as the writer or the translator of a work of fiction. Um, this piece that we have from The Guardian has a few people who note that like they'll be sad to see the name of the indie prize go and sort of to lose the like scrappy spirit of yeah. an independent prize, but that they believe that having something as big as the Booker promoting uh, literature in translation will just it will raise the profile of literature in translation internationally, and we'll get more people who read in English to read books that were not originally written in English, which mm-hmm. is definitely a thing that we need more of. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think this is interesting. I guess it replaces the old Man Booker International, which rewarded a career rather than a single book and spanned mm-hmm. writers from around the world. I guess it was sort of like a, a like a that sounds more like a Nobel. Kind yeah. of situation. So this will be back to a single book, um, but you know sometimes it's better. Like here's the book, go buy it. 
Mm-hmm. Go read it. Rather than here's, uh, for example, la- last year's winner, Laszlo Krasnikori. Good luck with that. There's no way that was right. Like, and they won, and you still don't know what book to go. You know, like, <laughs> go look it up. Um, but this, you can put a sticker on it and do all the kinds of stuff that um, book prizes are good for when it comes to selling books. Um, yeah, I think this is, I think this is cool. I, you know, the, I think this is something where there's a translate work of translated fiction that you know people can pay attention to, and has that that man Booker brand has some juice. Oh, I think it does for sure. Um, and the, I guess that we're talking about it is, is uh, proof positive that has a little bit of juice, so even in our nerdy worlds. Um, <laughs> I know that some of our book write people that do more translated fiction than you or I do were excited about it. Mm-hmm. It looked like so. I guess next year we'll be talking about what won the Man Booker in on yeah. that, what book won the Man Booker International Prize. Will be interesting to see. All right, so we better let's do one. We got one more sponsor to do here before we get to the, the new book. So Harry's is back. Mm-hmm. Harry's. So look, when uh, the Quakers came. And they invented the new world on the USS Enterprise. They wanted two things. One is they wanted the freedom to persecute people for their own religious reasons. I'm so scared of and, what's coming. And next. they wanted cheap razor blades. <laughs> Those are the two things Life, that they wanted. Liberties, liberty and affordable and shaving. Affordable shaving. So you, you, you know what the Quakers know, which is that save, shaving is a pain. It's uncomfortable. You have to do it all the time. Razor burden and nicks. And not only, not only do you have to use a sharp object to run over your skin repeatedly, you have to go out and buy stupid, expensive, clunky razor blades on top of them. You got to go, you got to go, you got to go to the grocery store or the pharmacy and you got to get the guy with the, the key to get behind those plastic separators because you're a felon and they think you're going to, you're going to nick, uh, you're going to nick an eight pack. You got to go do that. And you got to go home and open that terrible packaging and like, you know, get the big scissors out or they don't, there's no one knows how to open those blister packs. It's all a disaster. A disaster that was worth uh, discovering the new world for. So this is what Harry does, right? They're, they're, they're better blades. So they found some good blades in Germany they could buy directly from the manufacturer. And they liked them so much, he's like, you know what? I want the whole factory. I want all your, all your blades. So all they, your blades are belong all your to blades, me. All your blades are belong to us. And so what that helps them do, quality control, and they bring the price down. So rather than playing, say, like $32 for an eight-pack of blades uh, that you have to go down to the CVS to buy, you get half the price at Harry's, and it's better, and it's shipped right to your door. You don't have to hassle. Only the remaining hassle of shaving remains. You don't even have to put on pants. You don't. You, you, your, your legs are shave-ready because you have no pants on. They're just sitting there waiting to be shaved. So the starter says, amazing deal for $15, you get a razor, moisturizing shave cream, and three razor blades. That's, the thing about moisturizing shave cream, that's how bad shaving is. You've got to put on, like, basically medicine every time you do it. But you got to do it. You got to do it. With the promo code BOOK, you can get $5 off that. So it's only $10 in case you need some math help. Um, but you should probably are so excited about Harry's that you, you can't do simple uh, subtraction. Men, women, we all need razors that shave well and they don't suck. That is, that is what the internet is for, making sucky things suck less. And that's what Harry's is doing. I use, used them. They're great. I love them. The products are really good. Uh, the, the shave cream and the shave gel and all the ancillary balms and salves and ointments and gauzes that Harry's provides, you can pick your kind, but they're all really great. So go to harrys.com now. Harry's will give you $5 off if you type in the coupon code book with your first 
purchase harrys.com. Thank you for coming back and helping us de-hair ourselves in the <laughs> easiest way possible. Now is probably not the moment for a rant about patriarchy and standards of beauty. No, probably not. Probably <laughs> probably not now. All right, tell me about you some want to new, hear about new books. I want to hear about new books. I'm out of the loop completely on what's what's out this week. Welcome back. Uh, okay, so this first one is called Speak by Louisa Hall. It's a new novel. I have to tell you, I am like shocked and appalled and saddened that there wasn't a ginormous ad oh, campaign. Oh, interesting. For this book, it showed up on my doorstep a few weeks ago, and I was like, oh, this looks really interesting. Oh, it has blurbs from really smart people whose books I liked. Oh, it's coming mm. out super soon. Why the hell has no one told me about it? So I read it with a quickness, and I'm glad that I did. Um, Speak is about what happens that leads up to the creation of artificial intelligence and the aftermath of that creation. And it's told by a chorus of about half a dozen voices. Some of them are robots. Some of them are men who created the robots. One is a little girl, a 13-year-old girl writing in her journal in the 1600s as she crosses on a ship from um, Britain to the United States, because that's how people got here then. And one is a fictionalized version of Alan Turing. Uh, Mm. It's... It is fascinating. Uh, This book is just put together where you get a chapter from this voice and a chapter from this other voice and a chapter from this other voice. And it just goes on to slowly construct for you who created robots, um, why they were dangerous. This isn't like the robot uprising. It's not robo-apocalypse. The robots mm-hmm. don't take over. But artificial intelligence gets good enough that some a dude creates baby robots that are given to children, and the children connect more deeply and like become obsessed with the human-feeling connection that they have with their baby robots to the point that like actual human-to-human connection the government feels is threatened. And so the baby robots all get like shipped off to be left in the desert somewhere. And one of the voices in this book is a robot who's like riding in a shipping container on a truck um, and knows that it's powering down and it will be soon left to die away from its child. This sounds super weird. Wait, it's hold so- on. <laughs> That's not good. Okay. But you say it's good. I'm just, I'm like, suddenly I'm like, wait a minute. And we get like one of the voices is a girl a teenage girl who grew up with these baby robots and then hers was taken away and she's she and all these kids whose robots were taken away become like paralyzed and can't function so she's chatting online with an ai bot who is good enough that it can like detect her emotion and respond to her and ask interesting questions it's like Um, i'm totally harper lee (laughs) sorry that's my Please excuse gag. the three children behind this trench coat. <laughs> That's my running gag from now to the end of time. <laughs> Um, So it spans from that young girl's diary in the 1600s, which gets connected to the creation of artificial intelligence in this story up through the year 2040, where one of the men who created these robots is writing his memoir from prison. Mm -hmm. And the the story, you just sort of slowly, it's very nonlinear. So you slowly piece together who made these things, what happened, why they're gone, and what's going to happen now. Um, if you liked the like the tone and feel of how Station Eleven was put together, this I think is a really good fit for you. Um, a couple of our contributors have compared it to Cloud Atlas as well in the construction of uh, you don't get all the story in anything that looks like all at once. You're you're putting the pieces together and thinking about it. I thought the writing was just really stunning, hmm. and it's it's interesting. Like it's it is just constructed in a really interesting 
way, um, but also accessible. It's not one of those like this is experimental fiction that's going to feel like work the whole time you read it. Yeah, because Cloud um, Atlas, I liked it, but it's not super accessible. I would say, yeah, like it's kind of it takes a little uh, yeah, stick to itiveness. I, I think it's um, we're struggling for analogous titles. Yeah, okay, with well this. that's a, you felt, like that. That's a favorite yeah, thing. Of yours. Yeah, it felt this felt very new to me and very right now in fiction and very just interesting to read. Um, I haven't read anything like it. That's Speak by Louisa Hall. Um, If you want a pop culture fix and like me, you grew up quoting Clueless, you definitely want to pick up As If by Jen Chaney. It's an oral history of the movie. Um, It started as a piece that she wrote for Vulture and then she interviewed Amy Heckerling who wrote and directed Clueless. She interviewed a lot of the cast and crew including the big stars. The book is filled with stories about how Clueless got made, how it almost didn't get made, uh, who auditioned for other roles, like Lauren Hill auditioned to play Dion. That, uh, that's um, a mind-bending alternate <laughs> history that I just sort of cannot handle. Right? Yeah. It's it's so great. Um, in that class, I just rewatched Clueless earlier this week while I was thinking about the book. But in the classroom scene where they're debating, um, I think international sanctions, and Cher is talking about how it doesn't say RSVP on the Statue of Liberty. Um, she mispronounces Haitians. They're talking about Haiti, and she says Haitians. <laughs> and apparently, that was not. It wasn't written into the script. Alicia Silverstone really did mispronounce um, Haitians, and they left it. In because she was like just delivering it so confidently and it seemed like such a perfect thing and it honestly makes sense like she's 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 good spirited and that's a tough one unless you've heard it before you wouldn't notice it Haitians right because it's Haiti it looks like Haiti it looks like Haitians right Right. I understand Uh, there's just so much I would have said Haitians there's no doubt if I was playing that part (laughs) Though that would have been the least interesting thing about me playing that I'm part. I'm going to spend the rest of the day thinking yeah. about you starring as Cher and Clueless. Right. I would really need my Harry's That's for a that gift. part. <laughs> but it needed a whole, a whole box. So there's all, you know, all that great how the movie got made stuff. And then Chaney spends a lot of time reflecting on what Clueless did for fashion, what it did for girl power stories, what it did for the teenage movie. It sort of reignited mm. the genre of the teenage movie, um, the high school movie. It's It was wonderful. I really loved it. That's called As If. And if you want to read a quieter paperback book this week, out in paperback is A Map of Betrayal by Ha Jin. I really loved this when it came out last year. Um, The main character is a historian who knows that her father was the most important Chinese spy ever captured by the United States. After his death, she gets access to his journals and discovers that he had a whole double life in addition to just being a spy. He had other big secrets, and she is going to piece together what those secrets were, how he managed to have a whole second family that she and mm. her mother never knew about. This is not spycraft. It's very like domestic life of uh, one particular spy. And I, I thought it was really great. So that's a map of betrayal. Those are new books. I think that's our that, show. That's our show. As always, you can go to uh, bookriot.com slash podcast to get uh, show notes, links to the stories we talked about this week and our great sponsors. Uh, thanks so much to Scribd Random House Audiobooks and harrys.com for sponsoring the show. And all of all are now multiple sponsors. So thank you for the ongoing support of the show. We really appreciate that. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the Jeff O'Neill, O-Pachvi, N-E-A-L. You can follow Rebecca on Twitter at Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. If you've got a comment or a question or some other communicative act that needs to happen, you can email us at podcast.bookriot.com. And we're going to be back next week. We are. We'll and be- you can use the code wheelhouse at bookriotlive.com oh, yeah. to save $20 on your Book Riot Live 
tickets. And if you're interested in the phone case, it's customb.com, C-U-S-T-O-M-B-E-E.com slash book riot. You can follow, you can find our This Is Me reading uh, phone, which will be available for another 10 days or so from the recording. So by the time you have this, you hear this, you'll have another week. So this is the only time we're going to talk about the show because we'll talk about next week, you we can't get it. So go forth and buy things um, for your phone because <laughs> have bye. a good week. <laughs> <laughs>